everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Tuesday, August 24th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, oh, what a what a great weekend this was. Wow, this, this was incredible to see. We had some hopes and expectations, but they paled in comparison to the real thing. This this was an amazing box office weekend that I think we're going to remember for a long time. But it also is the tale of two box offices here. Yeah. Because there was some major disappointments. We will get to those two. But I, you know what? The thing is, I wouldn't even say they're disappointments. They did what they... They were what they we thought they were. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would say there is... The great thing about this weekend is everything... Oh, oh, everything went over expectations or did the expectations. There was not a movie here that I would say went below what we thought it would or hoped it would. Absolutely. You know, there were things that bombed, but they were destined to bomb. Yeah. So before we get into this, mm-hmm. shall I plow? Yeah, I mean, plow through this top five, but unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about a bunch of movies that don't even make the top five today, so yeah, we're it'll gonna be go... some, post, some post-plow some chow, for sure. A- absolutely. So let's start with our number one film. Number one for the second weekend in a row, Free Guy, with $18.5 million for a 35% drop. Wow. Total gross, 58.5 in two weekends. Number two, Paw Patrol, the movie, $13.1 million. It was in 3,184 theaters, not in Regals. We'll talk about that later, Mm -hmm. but that is your number two movie. Number three, Jungle Cruise, $6.3 million, down only 30%. Losing some theaters, down 325 theaters, but it is standing at $92.6 million in its fourth frame. It is going to get to 100. Number oh, it's f- going to blow past 100. Oh, sorry, I interrupted a plow. Yeah, we got a plow. Number four, Don't Breathe 2 made $5 million, down 52%. It is now at 19.6 in its second weekend. And number five, Respect. million down 57%. It is now at $15.7 million in its second weekend. Now, that's your top five, and mm -hmm. there's a few movies missing. Yeah, I think think you've got to do some post-plow and give us the opening weekend of three other new movies from this weekend, which... Let's, did not make the top five. Let's let's just go. Let's might as well just go through it because number six, Suicide Squad, made three point mm-hmm. four, down fifty four percent. Lost a ton of theaters, one thousand ninety three. It's at forty nine point two in its third frame. So, but wow. the fact that this movie that's been out for three weeks that nobody really uh, people like, but people aren't going to see, beats. Three new films. Yeah. Including yeah, number is... seven, The Protégé, $2.9 million. Now, this this only opened in 2,577 theaters. So, understandably, it did less business than some of the ones in a lot of theaters. But still, 
the fact that this movie made 2.9. But uh, 2.9 in its first weekend. Number eight, The Night House. $2.8 million. Opened in 2,240 theaters. That's your number eight film. Number nine, Reminiscence. $1.9 million in 3,265 theaters. A per theater average of $597. I mean, that per theater average is what we were seeing in the dead of winter last year, middle of the pandemic, when it's just catalog films out there. Yes. You know, $597 is catalog film money. But this is not a catalog film. Reminiscence is a huge budget, $80 million budget, Warner Brothers star vehicle. Absolutely. That's that's rough. We've got to talk about that. But then, number 10 old... $1.1 $1.1 million, down 52%. It's dropping theaters. It dropped mm-hmm. 1,084 theaters. But it had a higher per per screen, uh, per theater count, 742, than Reminiscence. And it is now at $45.1 million in its fifth frame. So this is a movie that's going to make $50 million. Well, I was going to say, that's the question. I think that's the, the, the final remaining mystery of this M. Night Shyamalan movie is, can it hit 50? It did $1.1 million this past weekend. Like you said, it's shedding theaters now. So does it have that final $5 million in it to get to $50 million? I, It's not a gimme, but it's not I, a gimme. I'd like to see it there. It's a nice round number. But it's going to be in theaters because people want to see it. I do think it'll hang out long enough to get close. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Universal does that trick of, you know, some. You see that a lot when a movie's on the precipice of hitting a hundred million, that that studios will really leave it in there a lot longer. Maybe add some theaters, do some final promotion to get it over the hump of a hundred. I wonder if they'll Universal will do that to get old to fifty. Yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to see that because I, yeah. I I love when when studios worry about the numbers that way yes it shows that they are listening to us they're listening to scott mendelson jeff bach all of the other big box office analysts and and want us to give them the the those good notices so mm-hmm. listen to us so let's start with the number one film let's start with yes. this amazing hold 35 percent now over the weekend people were thinking it was going to be in the 40s which would have been amazing to begin with because most of these big films have been dropping by 70 percent right 68 percent and this has a 35 percent drop this is good in any time well the thing that's great about this free guy run you know the opening weekend but yes definitely more importantly this holds into the second weekend is that honestly this run for Free Guy would have been impressive had there been no pandemic and Free Guy came out a year ago. Because mm-hmm. Free Guy was, as much of it's a big budget movie and it's a major studio and it's Ryan Reynolds as a star, this was not a slam doink from the start. It's original IP, it's Ryan Reynolds in a not a, not a Deadpool movie, so that's always a, a risk. And... 
it would not have been a slam doink to been a hit in non you know in normal times so the run it's having now is almost the best case scenario it ever would have had yeah. you know it maybe would have had a bigger opening weekend expectation in other times but but a 35% drop is incredible mm-hmm. incredible and it doesn't have it, it doesn't really have any real competition which is good because it's giving this film breathing room for people to focus on I want to go see Free Guy. Yeah. Where if you crowded it with other things like IP films, people would have that Pavlovian response of I got to see the new, say they put Ghostbusters against it. Got to see the new Ghostbusters. Got to see this new blah, blah, blah. Because it's ingrained in, in people to see things they already know. So well, the fact that this is getting breathing room is is great for it. Free Guy is getting the benefit of that August runway that sometimes you'll have the final big movie open in August nothing comes out for a while and that movie just rolls on in August with big you know great holds classically something like Sixth Sense Guardians of the Galaxy those movies they open in early August they're everyone loves them and then they just dominate the month and coming into August we thought that was going to be the case with Suicide Squad that's yes. that's the that's the 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 interesting thing here is when we looked at the schedule, most people thought, all right, Suicide Squad, James Gunn, it'll get great reviews and it'll have the month to itself. And we looked past Free Guy and it turned out Free Guy became that August favorite that is going to own the month. And that's great. And, and Reynolds had a similar. Uh, well, this is a family film, but Hitman's Bodyguard in 2017 Mm-hmm. Owned August because it was up against middling, middling competition, and people liked it enough. They liked him, Samuel Jackson. Of course, as we said, he's the number one value add in all of cinema. Mm-hmm. And even that film, which was very well liked, dropped fifty-two percent in its second weekend. So, Free Guy is proof that uh, it's a proof of a few things. That families are still going to the theaters. Mm-hmm. And that Ryan Reynolds is officially a box office draw. Yeah. And, yeah. and I know it's funny to say that now, but he he had he'd been a question mark other than Deadpool. Right. Right. It, it, we couldn't have anointed him, and some wanted to do that when Hitman's Bodyguard overperformed and made it to, what, 80 million domestic total. And that was when some people wanted to officially, you know, I would say prematurely say he's a box office star. But Free Guy, which is, I mean, a, a slam doing to get over 100 million at some point, possibly 120, 130. This is, this is definitely the one, because this is a pure old-fashioned star vehicle yes you know this is a a a, as much of a 1990s style movie star movie as you're going to get where it is just here's a great hooky premise and you're going to get to see the movie star do it there's no ip free guy is not a famous comic book character free guy is not based off of you know a popular novel or anything free guy is just a movie star is stuck in a video game. Yes. And 
if, if this were Josh Hartnett or Taylor Kitsch or uh, uh, um, uh, who's the guy who's in Suicide Squad that we're all glad got killed, Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. You know, this movie would have would have tanked. It worked because the guy in the video game is someone people wanted to see in the movie theater, Ryan Reynolds. And the other more impressive thing, I mean, it's all very impressive. It's so impressive. But the one other thing that's impressive is that it's a original IP, mm-hmm. and it's a film not directed by an auteur. Right, because most of the time, original IPs that do well have a name behind it. You've got Nolan, you've got Tarantino, people like Shyamalan. that. Shyamalan. This is exactly Shyamalan. This is a film by a director that is not an auteur. It's not a name director. He's not an auteur, but you know what? Let's give some major box office props to the director of this movie, Sean Levy, because. He's also the director of the Night of the Museum films, which are some of the biggest hits that are an original IP that we have seen in our lifetime. You know, this guy, this Sean Levy, this director of Free Guy, is Bafa Bobo behind the lens. Not because people are seeing his movies with his name on it. They're not going to see a Sean Levy film. But... He picks the right projects and he gravitates towards movies that are going to be Bafa Bobo original IP films. He's got it. He's got the nose for the B.O. Yeah, it's true. But he's had. uh, So I'm looking at his history here. Mm hmm. Yeah. So he did. Night at the Museum films. He had Date Night, which was a big hit back in yep. 2010. Real Steel, which was a surprising hit. Yeah, this this guy, this Sean Levy behind the lens, is he's box office. He is box office. I mean, those Night at the Museum movies, whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter. Those were original IP blockbusters. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking movies that made hundreds of millions of dollars domestic. They're they're Ben Stiller's biggest hits. Yeah. You know? You we all love when Ben Stiller put the the jism in his hair in something about Mary, one of the great box office hits of all time. The Night at the Museum films dwarf that. So Sean Levy well, is, I, I hate to, I, he didn't he didn't put jism in his hair. Yeah, he, he Cameron watched, Diaz you're right. put jism in put her his, hair. Put yeah. his jism in her hair. Absolutely. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, and he didn't put jism in his hair in any of the Night at the Museum films, just to get that on record. Yes. That did not um, happen. Yeah, I mean, not to spend all this time on Sean Levy, because, again, people didn't go see Free Guy because he directed it, but he is a director of major hits, and I think Free Guy is going to be first line in his obituary. You know, it, Night of the Museum, I, and then this probably. Yes, yes, probably. Yeah, Night at the Museum films and the surprise 2021 blockbuster that many credit as having saved the box office. Free guy, he has passed today. That that'll be you know some version of that will be the first line of his obituary. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think Real Steel makes it, though there's an argument for it to be in that first line as well. But it depends how long that first line in Sean Levy's obituary ends up being. Exactly. Well, from from the success of this film, it it feels like he's going to be able to direct other films that could make a dent as well. So Real Steel might get muscled out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about Free Guy's success is... I think it is a slam doink, and they've been talking about it. Ryan Reynolds has already said he can't wait to do it. Apparently, Disney and Fox has ordered the or 20th Century Studios have asked for the script. You're going to get Free Guy sequels. This is this is a franchise in the making right now. And and you know I don't want to praise Disney because Disney's been doing some shady shit recently. But mm-hmm. I will say, good for them for not throwing this out like the baby with the bathwater. Yep. They obviously felt they had something. They obviously wanted to make this a well, they had to make it theatrical because of old old contracts with uh 20th century. Mm-hmm. But I do think that keeping this in the theaters, giving it the the I mean, I think it's going to be a 45-day window of some sort. I don't know if it's 45 officially, but it's going to be probably a a shrunken window the way everything is now at this point but still well it's already this week the word went out that that free guy will be available on pvod i think it was september 28th okay but that's plenty of time to get over a hundred oh plenty of time plenty of time it's going to be on pvod and dvd and blu-ray they've already announced that date and then of course i saw online people making jokes about Haha, ha, they're putting it on DVD like that matters. There's a lot of people buying DVDs out there, so keep keep your cracks to yourself when it comes to DVDs. That's that's a revenue stream. And and you know, these people who are making jokes about DVDs and Blu-rays, they don't understand that one of the reasons why their big budget films can be made is because people still buy Blu-rays and DVDs. Yes. Yes. And that's listen, we're coastal elites. We love thumbing our noses. But that's a situation where it's just people online thumbing their noses at red boxes. Thereby, they're thumbing their noses at people in the stacks, at the plain billies, at the earth dogs. The gum chewers. The gum chewers who love nothing more than to chew some gum as they drive a pickup towards a parking lot that has a red box. And end of September, those people who probably have already seen Free Guy in the theater. Mm -hmm. They've probably seen Free Guy in the theater. But those gum chewers and plain billies, they're going to hit up a red box, and now they're going to rent Free Guy. But that's that's for later. You know, we'll dig into the the red box uh, bo and uh, and all that when Free Guy hits DVD. But this this second weekend is incredible because, like you said, the big story of this summer has been a lot of big movies have had big opening weekends that are comparable to what they may have done in normal times, but then. That drop off from the first to the second weekend is usually 60% or higher. I mean, A Quiet Place 2, which is as leggy and as old fashioned of a hit as we've seen this summer, that second weekend drop was still, I think, what, high 50s or 60? Mm-hmm. Even that movie. So, so th- this number is incredible. It's the, incredible. The, uh, this is the best hold mm-hmm. of this summer. 
next to so Peter Rabbit two did forty percent in its second weekend. Okay. Boss Baby two or Boss Baby Family Business down forty five percent. Forever Purge down forty three percent, and Stillwater down forty five percent. So the best ones have only been the forties. Right, and those are all movies that had much, much, much lower opening weekends to drop from than yes. Free Guy did. Yes, Anything absolutely. that had a big opening weekend, unfortunately, had those big drops. I mean, I think it comes down to, like we talked about, Ryan Reynolds is officially a movie star that people want to see. And, and they, they want to see him not just in the Deadpool mask. They want to see his face, which is, I mean, that's huge for him because... 95% of a movie star's stardom is having a face. Yes. So he officially has a face. This um, is great. And and I know we need new young stars, but it is nice to see somebody like... And he is on the youngish side. You know, yeah. he's not Brad Pitt's age. But, no. you know, we do need younger stars, but it's nice to see someone like him to be someone we can rely on for the next 10 years. Yes, yes, because, you know, young is relative because the, the the reliable movie stars we have are people who are like Denzel, you know, and Clint Eastwood, who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know. And, and even Will Smith Leo, is in his 50s. Right, Will Smith. So having a movie star who's Ryan Reynolds' age, which I guess is around 40, that still drops the, the the mean by by a great deal. Yeah. You know, let's get if we get some movie stars in their 30s and 40s, that that's going to be important. So, good for you Ryan Reynolds, good for you Sean Levy, good for you theater goers for going out there and seeing an original yes. IP, not by an auteur and showing confidence. And good for Disney for having a pre-existing contract that forced them to give this a full theatrical release. That's not good for Disney. That's good for 20th century. It's good for 20th century, but I guess it's good for Disney for not just breaking the contract and saying, all right, sue me. Yeah. So that's good. They didn't do that. That's true. They could have done that. So looking at this top three, you mentioned earlier that Free Guy really shows that families are, you know, against some of the media buzz that's out there, or the media buzz saying that families are, are t- too terrified to go to the theaters. You look at this top three, and that is clearly not true. Free Guy is a a sort of, not a full-on family film, but it is a, a very nice movie that families like. And then we look at our number two, the debut of Paw Patrol the movie, opening at $13 million. I mean, that's as family of a movie as it gets. $13 million, again, without being able to come to an agreement with Regal, because this was streaming day and date on Paramount+. Plus. Wow. And so imagine what this film could have done with Regal Cinemas. I think it could have gone to number one. You think it could have hit 20 if the Regals were involved. I mean, Regal is, is what? The number two chain, right? Yeah. AMC has the most theaters. Regal has the second most. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, the the, the one thing is, well, I guess maybe I'm thinking in terms of New York, where basically if one corner doesn't have an AMC, then that corner has a Regal or a Dwayne Reed. But in, in other cities, 
is it usually the case that they have both an AMC and a Regal, or in most places you get one of them? We would have to get reports from those types of cities. I couldn't yeah. even tell you. I feel yeah. like where I grew up, I don't even know if we had either of those. Okay. Okay. So it's, yeah, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. It's the Wild West out there in the stacks. Yeah, um, but I think there there's enough theaters, Regal theaters, that this could have at least competed for number one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it had 3,184 theaters for its opening weekend. That number actually is kind of low for a big big studio release opening weekend. So you're probably right. If it had Regals, it would have been a lot more theaters showing this. I mean, so let's focus, though, on what it did. It did $13 And one person I have to hand it to is we discussed this last week when uh, we were talking with uh, Brandon Gray, creator of Box Office Mojo, and, of course, now the creator of Box Office Revival on Clubhouse, we were talking to Brandon about Paw Patrol, and I did throw out the juicy tidbit that our Hollywood insider, Deep Popcorn, was going to see Paw Patrol the movie with his child. The, and the, first chi- the child's first movie ever. Yes, yes. And obviously we, we, we said that that is just anecdotal, but when you get an anecdote from someone as important as Deep Popcorn or Hollywood insider... It means more than just an anecdote about your neighbor down the street who might well, be a nice person but but isn't really a, a, a trendsetter. And he doesn't show up at the parking garage just to say random things. It's got to mm-hmm. be something real. If, we're, if he's showing up at that parking garage and we're going to meet him, right? it's for real information. Yes. He's either taking someone down or he's building a movie up. And in this case, Deep Popcorn took his child to their first movie to see Paw Patrol the movie, and it's clear that that is what a lot of people around the country did. I mean, I think with Paw Patrol, this was the first time this popular series, this generational series, Paw Patrol, had been on the big screen. And... I think a lot of people undersold how big this IP was because the the demand had been pent up for years. Yeah, people wanted this. The rats wanted uh, this. Yes, the the rats needed their cheese. The Paw Patrol team. I think I think this is a case where they had one big movie in them, possibly just one big opening weekend in them. You know, this could be a huge drop next week. We'll see. But the idea that the Paw Patrol crew didn't at least have one big pent-up demand opening weekend in them was ludicrous. They, of course, had this in them. And, and you know, you got to hand it to them. They they built this uh, demand over the years on television and the kids were like, I don't care what you're saying is on the news. I don't care about the risks or this or that. I got to see this Paw Patrol. Yes. And under 12s, even in places where you need to show your vaccination card, 
they are being allowed to come in with a mask. So this is not going to keep kids under 12 out of theaters in any way other than they have to wear a mask. And, and you know what? You, I think one thing this year is, has shown, too, is that the kids don't care about the mask. The kids wear the mask. If it's something the kids really want, they're like, put the mask on me. All these kids have masks that have IP printed on the mask. So they, they just, you know, they got their their character on the mask. And, and they're they're fine with it. So yeah, the Paw, mask they, they have the a kids. Paw Patrol mask. They like it. It's They feel like they're just supporting an IP that they enjoy. Yes, yes. You know, and who knows what, what kind of reality a four-year-old imagines. So to them, they're like, put a Paw Patrol mask on me. We go see the Paw Patrol. The Paw Patrol sees that I've got a Paw Patrol mask on my face, and, and they're getting excited about it, and they're going to come visit me in my dreams and tell me how nice my mask was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what a kid thinks is going on when they see a character talking on a giant screen and they're wearing a mask with their face on it. Uh, they might they might think that it's some kind of conversation between them and the characters. Mm-hmm. So, listen, if that's what it takes to get that kid's money at the BO, then let them think that. Let them imagine that their mask is being seen by the Paw Patrol on the big screen. Who knows? So, Paw Patrol. So, we talked about the one film that came out this weekend, new release, that did mm-hmm. well. Just before we go on to these three new bombs, I just want to quickly touch on the other family movie that is just rolling along. Jungle Cruise came in at number three, six million. It's up to 92.6, like you said. Had only a 30% drop in now its fourth weekend. And this movie is showing again. The families are going out to the theaters. The family's got to find something to kill time with their kids. And... This, again, is just a huge win for its two stars, for Dwayne The Rock Johnson and for Emily Summer of Blunt. Uh, This is a movie star vehicle, if there ever was one. It basically is, go see these two movie stars, putz around on a a big boat, and people wanted that. Yeah. And and it's a huge huge movie star win. And I would say let's not talk too much about it. Gotcha, I know where you're going. It should be lauded, Mm -hmm. but I think we need to really talk about this film when it hits 100. Love it. And then we divvy up the millions, and then we talk about who deserves what, and we can really applaud this film. Right now, I think 92 is great. Obviously, it's doing Baffa Bobo, but let's save that for our celebration of this film, which will be coming... Most likely next week. I mean, that's a beautiful tease. I love it. So I, I won't say another word about Jungle Cruise. We'll, we'll divvy up the millions when it hits 100. Great. So let's then talk about these three stinkers. And I mm. say that in an affectionate way because these movies were meant to be stinkers. They weren't made yep. to be stinkers, but they were released to stink. And that is yes. fine because it is the end of August. It is a sign of normalcy. That warms my heart. Again, like I said, like we always say, we want all movies to succeed. If The Protégé would have broken out and been a top five movie, great. If Nighthouse would have broken out, great. If Reminiscence would have broken out, great. But these movies served a function. 
And they were released, and they made a little bit of scratch. And that's something. But it is pretty... It is it is a little disappointing that none of these over indexed. Like But it, that is it's th- the story of, of August has always been a dump zone. It's you know, the East River for the mafia. It's where you throw the bodies. Mm-hmm. And and it's always been that these late August movies seem like they should have been big hits at some point in time. You know, you're, you're, I always think of something like The Astronaut's Wife with... Oh, no, not The Astronaut's Wife. What was the one with Johnny Depp? Was it That was The Astronaut's Wife, right? Yeah. So a movie like that, where it's got a, a, a famous person. I think that's Johnny Depp pre-Pirates. But it's got a famous person in a movie that seems like a big deal... But by the time it hits the theaters, we all know it's about to be a bomb. Mm-hmm. And that is what August is about. It's about these movies that probably had huge script deals, that had a lot of excitement when they got people cast. I'm sure there was a lot of excitement around the Nighthouse when they bought that script and Rebecca Hall was attached, or, or around the Protege when you had Michael Keaton in a Lionsgate film, or of course, around Warner Brothers' reminiscence. When they put Hugh Jackman, who has been a reliably big movie star, and he's attached to this sci-fi thriller with a hot script that was bought for a lot of money, you you make those deals and you think these are going to be huge hits, and then they start getting made, people know what they are, and they become August dead bodies that you're throwing in the East River. Yeah, And that's the story of late August. The story of August is always... The big hit that owns the month, and then all of these dead bodies that litter the river. Well, like I was saying with the theater counts for The Protégé and The Night House, they were in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they only did $2 million, or almost both of them did almost $3 million, that's a disappointment. But also, they're getting crowded out by larger releases, mm-hmm. understood. The Protégé, especially, which is a film I'm going to go see, but it does feel like a movie from a bygone era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the only person out there doing promo was Michael Keaton, which it's always great to see him on talk shows, but Samuel Jackson's also in this movie. Maggie Q's in this movie. I, I, don't, I didn't see them anywhere, so I don't know what's going on here. Interesting. But, I had no idea Samuel Jackson was in this movie. Yeah, supposedly he's in the cast list, so so we'll see. But Samuel Jackson, just one note: this is then his third Lionsgate stinker of the summer. Samuel Jackson was in uh, uh, from the Book of Saw. He was in Spiral from the Book of Saw. He was in, of course, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and now he's in this, the Protege from Lionsgate. And it's, it's, I mean, to me, that maybe is a relationship that both sides should rethink because it, it has not worked this summer. And I don't know if I've ever seen a situation where a star in a studio have had such bad luck in one summer. But the thing with him is it's not going to hurt him one bit. No, he's Teflon. He's the greatest value add of all time. I think what we have to talk about here is reminiscence because, yes, yes it's a 
HBO Max day and date release. But that didn't keep some of those films from doing at least a little bit of business. Mm-hmm. This film, 1.9 million in 3,265 theaters, which is more than Paw Patrol, had a 597 per theater count. I mean, per theater sum, right? So right. $597 per theater. I mean, that is as much of a rejection as you could imagine. So low. And it's funny because everybody I know watched this film this weekend in some capacity, either on HBO Max or went to the theater to see it. Mm -hmm. And it it feels like a more more talked about movie than I think it actually is because our group have been talking about it. Now, I've yet to see it. But... A Hugh Jackman film, Rebecca Ferguson, who was hot off of the Mission Impossible films. Mm-hmm. The woman who directed and wrote this film is Westworld Vet. Okay. And it this movie just did no business. Nobody wanted it. This is a movie nobody wanted. Here's a comp I want to throw out here. So Reminiscence was a Warner Brothers, HBO Max day and day simultaneous release theaters and hbo max and like you said it opened in 3200 theaters and made 1.9 million let's go back to the 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 dark times of this past winter january 29th 2021 a movie called the little things opened from warner brothers in theaters and on hbo max that movie's opening weekend, that Denzel Washington dark thriller that just like Reminiscence just seemed like a murky piece of garbage. That movie opened to $4.7 million in 2,100 theaters. And yeah. this is in the dead of winter, pre-vax. There is not a, there is no one vax and wax. Maybe, you know, maybe you're getting some healthcare workers late January or Vax and Wax, but that's not a huge box office quadrant. You know, healthcare workers is not a quadrant. And that movie made $4.7 million, while Reminiscence, like we said, opened up to $1.9. Well, what so else? to me, that is the ultimate comp. And they, they were both on HBO Max. So the HBO Max thing for Reminiscence is not the reason. Well, what I'll say there... Mm-hmm. Is Denzel's Denzel? Yeah, of course, of course. And, and, and you also had Jared Leto, who, whatever you want to say about him, he at least piques people's interest. You also had Rami Malek, who, yes, he's not he's not as hot as he was coming off of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody especially because this Bond movie where he's the villain has gotten pushed back and pushed no. back. I get the little things is a little is is got bigger stars, but it's it's a comp in that Hugh Jackman is a big star, big name, and it's a similarly murky, you know, thriller premise. Well, these sci-fi-noirs, these sci-fi-noirs the, never no do business. No. They, they Everybody wants to make Blade Runner, and Blade Runner bombed. Yes. Blade yes. Runner is a well-liked film on DVD, 
But yep. no one went to the theater to see it. And no one went to the theater to see the sequel. And no one went to the theater to see Dark City. You yeah. know, and all these sci-fi noirs. I, I mean, something like... Uh, uh, here's the movie that... that one of the few that really bucked this trend is Minority Report. Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise, sci-fi noir, but of course that's way more of an action movie. Not a than noir. Any of these. It's not a noir. Didn't... It's not I mean, a noir. No. He doesn't do noir. Yeah, the, the the noir aspect of it is the is the poison pill for the box office. Nobody no one likes wants noir. noirs. Nobody yeah. likes noir. It, it's such a film school thing that doesn't translate to box office ever yeah like film school people love watching noirs they're like oh third man is the greatest movie ever blah 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 they love making their noirs because they just want to do the things that they saw the the greats do when they were in film school yeah but look how sad everybody was after the war okay we get it that's right but people reject this kind of movie time after time after time. And I, I bring up Minority Report also because I watch Reminiscence. And it's whatever. It's it's mostly boring. We're not critics. But I get why this bombed having seen it. But it's one of those movies where the main premise is if you put people in a bathtub... And you put some electronics on their head, a Radio Shack headphone on their head. We could see their memories. And that was Minority Report. You know, Minority Report already was the the premonitions in a bathtub movie. You don't need a second one. Mm-hmm. You only need one of those for a lifetime. I agree. Now, and, bef- oh, sorry, you go. No, I was just, I mean, the main thing with Reminiscence to me is just, you look at that trailer, you know it's going to be noir, you know it's going to be murky. Uh, I, I don't think there's ever been or ever would be a time and a place where this kind of movie would do even decently. It is just the type of movie that no one ever wants. Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, and I just want to shout out our boy, Anthony... D'Alessandro at Deadline, mm-hmm. you know it's always his his box office articles always must reads. Yep. But he's also been calming the masses like us, which is what I love. And these three films that bombed, he says, don't blame the Vax card, blame no. the product. The Vax card policy is there for moviegoers to feel comfortable. And he said, we're still. Recovering from the pandemic, but there is a drive to see product as the top of the chart indicates. This is mm-hmm. a man who is speaking calmly and speaking logically, and this yep. is what we need. We're doing it. It's exhausting. It's our cross to bear. We understand. But when somebody can come along and take that back end of the cross, mm-hmm. lift it up a little bit off the ground, that's good. Because yep. we'll carry it. Listen, it's on our shoulders. But but, help, help but wipe the, our wipe our brow, yeah. While we walk, Absolutely. and I think that is what Anthony D'Alessandro at Deadline is doing. We're carrying the cross, but he's wiping our brow. He's picking up some of the cross. He's he's doing what what 
he's doing he's doing something along this walk. Yeah. Now, so let's let's talk real quick because we don't want to go long. No. Not at all. We do need to mention Tom Rothman, the Sony boss, and what he said at CinemaCon. I think when did this happen? This I think happened yesterday. You're you're getting choked up about it. Yeah, I'm it's, sorry. It's really touching you. It's 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 getting up all in your feels, as they would say online. I feel a a way about this. Is that how they mm. what they say? They I would say a, that a certain way about this. Yeah. So Tom Rothman, he is what the head of Sony Pictures, and he's the um, boss baby. He is the yes, and it is not a family business at Sony. Mm-mm. But he basically is, well, this is his, this is, oh, wait, now this is not Rothman's quote. This is Josh Greenstein, the president of Sony Pictures. Oh, I'm so sorry. You're right. Thank you for. It is Josh Greenstein. So I'm sorry. No, no Rothman. Forget, forget we said the name Rothman. It is Josh Greenstein, the uh, president of Sony Pictures. He's the boss baby. Yeah. Looking at a picture of him. Yeah, he looks he does look like the boss baby with some glasses on. Good for him. And what he said is, quote, debuting movies simultaneously in theaters and in the home is devastating to our collective business. Um, and this is before he showed a sizzle reel of some upcoming Sony movies, including Brad Pitt's Bullet Train, Morbius, so on. Um, and he said that as far as Sony movies go, our movies will be seen exclusive first in movie theaters, movie theaters, and the theatrical movie experience will triumph. So. Okay. He said that, but then what else did he say? Um, he talked about seeing free guy on Cape Cod, which. No, wait, I I think we're confusing here because Greenstein said that. And then. Oh, Rothman and then Rothman did come so in. So I'm correct in that. You are correct. So it is then Rothman, who is Greenstein's boss. Yes. he's the, He is the ultimate boss baby. Okay, yeah. Josh Greenstein is uh, is a different baby who's not, as, who's not as high up as Rothman. So then, okay, Greenstein said that. He loves movies in the movie theaters, blah, blah, blah. And then Rothman came in. He, he just... Talked about how he saw Free Guy on Cape Cod, which, good for you, you were on Cape Cod. And, quote, that film has done great business because, number one, it's terrific. And, number two, you actually can't watch it at home on television. Go effing figure. You remember Bill Clinton and his, it's the economy, stupid? Well, it's the window, stupid. Yeah, we're not too bright out here in Hollywood, but we'll figure it out. So that is the Rothman quote. That's what you wanted to get to, that he referenced Bill Clinton. He referenced the famous, it's the economy, stupid quote. And Rothman put a new spin on it saying, it's the window, stupid. And then he That's also it. said that Sony values theatric, theatrically above all media. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I know, God, we... We open a can of worms here because there's so much to, to digest. There's so much to, to dissect here. Number one, using profanity in front of a, a, a people in a business setting is unsettling to me. Okay. 
I get it. I guess I, I, I... He's trying to be provocative. I understand. We're all adults. We can use some profanity, but still... And- and I feel like you're in the movie business and the, the, the rating rule, the PG-13 rule was you always get one. You get one F-bomb as long as that F-bomb is not in a sexual matter. So he went by the MPAA rating system rule when it comes to F-bombs. He said, go effing figure. He said the real word. We're not going to dignify that here. But he said, go effing figure. So he said it once. And he didn't say it in a way like he wasn't like, I can't wait until uh, uh, our Venom movie comes out from Sony and Venom Fs everyone in the face. He didn't say that. You know, he used effing. So I I give him leeway here. Okay, well, that's still a PG-13. It's only one one of the issues with this statement. Mm-hmm. Number two, invoking Bill Clinton and It's the Economy Stupid, which is such an old reference to reference mm-hmm. that I feel like there's a lot of people in this audience, I would think, that maybe weren't even born when Bill Clinton said these things. Yeah. Or were very, yeah, very young. It, right. I guess if you've got like a lot of 20-something-year-old you know, bloggers and vloggers out in the crowd, they're not going to remember it's the the economy stupid. Though I do feel like that has been taught in schools. Do you you think that's been taught in schools? I think so. I think when you're going through presidential history, because, you know, we were, when when we were in history class, Bill Clinton was not history at that point. So we weren't really taught Bill Clinton in schools. Yeah. That's come later. And I think in these last 20 years, if you were taught Bill Clinton in schools, you're going to be taught the blue dress and you're going to be taught it's the economy stupid. I think those are two of the main things you're taught. Okay, so you it sounds like you're sticking up for Rothman here. Are you sticking up for Rothman? Because I think, I again, am. the thing... you Okay, I you're am. sticking up for Rothman for his sentiments here because... He's saying that they are focused on theatrical, which I understand, but they also don't have a streamer. They're yes. not trying to build a streamer for the wars. That's why they can focus on the- theatrical. And here's the thing, Rothman. If you cared about theatrical above all else, why, 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 why did you move Venom? Mm-hmm. That's my main thing. If you are saying that theatrical is what you're aiming for, you destroyed a lot of confidence by pushing that film back. So so you're talking at your butt a little bit here mm-hmm. that you have a commitment to theatrical. Because if you had a true commitment to theatrical, you would see that there's a hunger for product and you would put Venom to Let There Be Carnage out on its intended date. Yes. That's I, I my agree with biggest that. issue with this. I agree with that. I think it's, frankly, a, a cheap shot to go at him because of his profanity or his, his it's the economy stupid reference. But you absolutely have a point there. It's so strange that the head of Sony is talking about how Free Guy is such a hit and how Free Guy is currently doing so well 
as a theatrical only and how Free Guy is showing everyone that people are willing to go to the, the movies in the movie theater. And after all that, you move Venom, Let There Be Carnage back three weeks because you're, you know, wary about Delta variant and all that, all of that other stuff. And again, it's, which that's will make a no strange difference. disconnect. The yes. three weeks will make no effing difference. Well, well, we have talked about, and obviously we're going to stay on the Venom, Let, Let There Be Carnage uh, release date story in the weeks to come. We've talked about how does this move mean that at some point Sony is going to full-on move Venom to next year? You know, if they're so wary about releasing a movie this fall. And after this speech where you're you're praising Free Guy and you're talking about how uh, uh, theatrical is the key, I mean, how could they possibly move Venom off the schedule to next year after he does this speech. I don't think he was really thinking about the ramifications of what he was saying. Well, he he came in, supposedly he made a visit to to Vegas, which is where this is being held, because mm. he was supposed to vacation on Cape Cod, but then the weather got bad, so he decided, oh, well, maybe I'll just swing by and make some off-the-cuff comments, which I don't right. think was a smart decision. Yes. And, and also talking about it's the window stupid. I'm sorry. That Pandora's box is opened. You're going to have to deal with the new windows. They're here. There's no going back. The windows are never going to be 90 days to six months or whatever they used and to be. And they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. We've talked about it. If you're not going to, day and date on a streamer is probably not the best model. I think that is kind of clear, is that the HBO Max model is not the way to go. I think the Disney Plus PVOD day and date is a lot closer, or the type of thing that Universal has been doing, which is theater only for the opening release, and then a very short window. Like a 17-day, yeah, yeah, depending on how well the movie does. I think it... I think it does have to be contingent on how well the movie does. If it opens right. to Baffa Bobo, you keep that window large. Right. It, because you don't have to – I mean, I, I know contract-wise you have to talk about the windows to all of the people who made the film and all those things. But you can build in, yes, if this movie opens to a certain amount, it's going to get a 45-day window. If it opens less than this, it's going to get a 17-day window, and you will be compensated depending on what happens. I think right. that's business stuff that should be talked about with the people behind the movie and the people funding the movie, understandably. But the windows have changed. It's not going to be 90 days. It's not going to be the same thing it was. And to go up there and act like it's going to change and you're going to do something about it, it's disingenuous because you're not. You can't. Well, I, I, I would say with that quote, you know, Bill Clinton's It's the Economy Stupid. They teach you that in history class, I assume. I don't think they're going to teach you Rothman's It's the Window Stupid in history class. I do not think that quote will endure. I think in the end, this quote and this rant of his is like you said, it comes from a man who thought he was getting a long Cape Cod vacation. Mother Nature cut that short. He hopped on a jet, probably 
you know, not, not to be libelous or anything here, but maybe he had a few cocktails on the plane, as you do on a private jet, rolls into Vegas, everyone rolls into Vegas feeling like they're King Kong on top of the world. He stormed into this this big press conference, and he said some things that were probably more about adrenaline than they were uh, uh, well thought out. And then he says, we're, we're not too bright in Hollywood. We'll figure it out. I mean, it's, it's glib. It's condescending. It's glib. And, yeah. it, and it's... I get it. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to focus too much on it, but it, 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 it was... You know, he's talking to exhibitors, so obviously this, you know, CinemaCon is for the exhibitors. This isn't a fanboy event. So he is talking, he's preaching, he's trying to he, trying to speak to his audience, but, you know, by saying Hollywood's stupid. It's like, come on, man. It, it probably played well in the room, and like you said, he got off a jet, he thought he was getting a long vacay in Cape Cod, he rolls into this room and he's playing to the crowd. You know, he's getting the cheap pops and I guess good for him, but yeah, it is true. The, the it main... is true. He said this in a specific room. So to take it out of that specific room, it does. I can't be as harsh because he was playing to the crowd. I've he was done playing it. To the crowd. You've I... done it. We've all done it. I think that the, the bigger story here is, if he moves Sony off the schedule, then this is going to be the type of speech that's. He, if he moves, yeah. If if he moves Venom, let there be carnage off the 2021 schedule, then this is the type of speech that is really going to be used against him. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Now let's um, move on to our last thing. Yeah, let's let's get because we are desperately running out of time. So let's get into the big movie opening this weekend. Do do, do you dare say say its name? So I think we'll say this name once, and then after that, we got to use some kind of abbreviation. Because the movie opening this weekend is the reboot of the early 90s horror, not, I won't say classic, but well-regarded horror property, Candyman. So we'll be careful not to say this five times. We got three more times we could say it, right? That's the rule. No, I think you, you say it only... three times. Oh, okay. So we got one more time to say it. So I'll say it right now. And I am not joking around. I am actually recording this right now sitting in front of a mirror. I, I, oh, no. I kid you not. I am okay. in front of a mirror. And for the second time, I will say that the movie Candyman. Oh, why? Opens... You, I could have said that. Okay. I won't say it again. So you that can't movie say it opens again. this. That movie opens this weekend, and it is an interesting case of there's a lot of online buzz for this horror movie. It's a Jordan Peele-produced movie. People are, I think, I won't say rooting for it, but there there is there is a lot of Twitter... Uh, uh, backing of this movie and the question is will that translate because tweets are not ticks is that about to translate into real BO this weekend Clayton what do you think well first off I have to you were right it is five times so you do it have more of a leeway so breathe a little bit it's okay. three for Bloody Mary three for Beetlejuice five for Candyman okay I thought so great 
great. So you that's were right. I was wrong. I could screw up and accidentally say it two more times and I'll be okay. I saw this trailer in the theater. It looks mm-hmm. stylish and freaky and scary. I think it is going up against nothing like it. I mean, other than the night house, which I think people are have decided they don't want to see. And Don't Breathe 2 is still in the mix. I have... I think this movie is going to do well. I, I just have a feeling that it's going to be... I don't think it's going to d- destroy. I don't think it's going to be this, like, huge... It's not going to do Don't Breathe uh, number one, 26 million opening. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it'll do well. So the box office pro says anywhere from 9 to 14. I would go on the high end there. I would, I'm would. i going to say lucky 13 for this film. I think so too because we have not, you know, in this reset summer, we haven't had a slasher-type horror movie that has busted out. You know, A Quiet Place 2 is a horror movie, sort of, but not this type, you know? like It's the, a monster fore- movie. Yeah, but something like The Forever Purge did fine, or Don't Breathe 2 is actually doing fine. You know, Spiral Book of Saw bombed. Uh, we haven't had this type of movie really break out yet, and I think this is going to be the one... Like you said, to at least have this big opening weekend. I think I think it could hit 15. You know, I think it's in that range. Yeah. Although I would say the marketing, I got an email from Regal that said my name. Mm-hmm. Spoke my name. Said, Clayton, you summoned him. And I was upset at that because I don't know... Kids nowadays, Candyman to them probably doesn't mean as much as it did to us when we were kids. Mm-hmm. When we were kids, you you didn't say his name in the mirror five times. You didn't. Because that, that shit was real. Yes, yes. Listen, I'm not going to say it five times today, and I am a man of whatever age people know me as, which is not a child. Exactly. So... I think the marketing too, and then I've gotten other. I've seen other things saying, "Say his name." No, don't say his name. Don't say his name. Mm-hmm. The tagline should not be "Say his name." It should be "Don't say his name." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know how they're treating it. It 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 makes me question how they're treating this character because we're all trying to avoid. I know I was raised to avoid Candyman, mm-hmm. and it seems like now. We're supposed to be taking Candyman head on, and I don't know how I feel about that. Now, is right. that going to turn the oldsters away? Maybe. Um, you know, I think it is just they're not as worried about the oldsters. Even though this is an IP, the, this is going to live or die based on will the teens and the young people going on dates go out in a big way to see this movie. So I think it makes sense for them to appeal to... This generation, which is more brash than ours, which is, you know, willing to take on big social issues and things head on rather than the Gen Xers who are, you know, Candyman, the original premise of don't say something, that is the perfect movie for the Gen X generation, which is slacker, we were laid back, we were like, sure, I won't say, I don't want to say anything. We weren't laid back, we were resigned. We weren't laid back, laid back, 
Laid back means that we didn't care. Well, we were resigned to the fact that if we said this entity's name, he we we knew he would kill us, and we were resigned to that fate. So we were like, sure, I won't say that name. Whereas I think this current generation is like they, yeah, they're like, I do want to say that name. So I think the marketing makes sense. Okay, uh, I do. Um, so aside from the marketing of it. Is this an IP that really matters? I mean, I, I'm taking a look at the original Candyman movie back in 1992, open to $5 million and only a thousand theaters. Um, it ended up at 25 million. So this is a movie that must, most of its notoriety comes from watching it on cable and the video releases, but that's a pretty good opening for a original horror movie back then um we were talking about other comps for this in more recent times and to me the most two direct comps of recent years are these two movies so the original don't breathe which came out late august august 26 2016 that opening weekend was 26 million dollars and that's a good comp because it's coming out in that final weekend of August slot and it's a horror movie. So we both agree this new movie is not going to come at all close to what the original Don't Breathe did in 2016. Agreed? Agreed. Um, but I think what that Don't Breathe opening shows is that this late August slot could be a really good one for horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other comp that I'll throw out there is the remake of Pet Cemetery, which came out in April of 2019. That movie, now that's an April slot, but I think the comp is that Pet Cemetery is a older horror IP getting a reboot. Yes. That movie opened up at $24.5 million. I we all forget how big that opening weekend was for the Pet Cemetery reboot. So that's all to say that I guess I could say it two more times. So I'll say it now. This Candyman reboot has some pretty good recent comps. It has a big late August horror movie that hit. It has a reboot from the 80s and 90s that hit. This movie... I think has some good signs towards it should be a success. Yeah, I mean it's not going to make 20 million. No. But I would put it, yeah, I would comfortably put it in a 13 to 15 million dollar range uh and number 1. Yeah, I'm going to go 15. I think I think this movie, I won't even though I have one more slot to say its name, I'm not going to say its name again. I think this new Jordan Peele produced horror movie coming out this weekend is going to hit 15. Great. So what, what's your top five here? Okay. So my top five is just give me one second here. Cause I want to bring up what the top five was this past weekend. Okay. I think now be the careful what you movie, say here though. I think the number one movie of the weekend is the brand new Jordan Peele produced horror movie. That's opening this weekend. I think that's number one. Great. Number two is Free Guy. Slam doink. Number three 
is Jungle Cruise. Whoa, whoa, okay. I think big drop for Paw Patrol. I think, we'll see, but I think Paw Patrol is a movie where the the kids came out to see for the opening weekend, but I think it's going to fall a lot. So Heavily front-loaded. Heavily front-loaded. So I think number three is Jungle Cruise, number four, four is Paw Patrol, and number five is... Because there's nothing else new opening this weekend, right? Other than the Jordan Peele produced horror movie reboot. Yeah. Nothing no, else. I, so, th- so then number five is probably Don't Breathe 2. That's my top five. Wow. I mean, I'm pretty similar here. I'm going to say, I don't know how many times I've said it. I don't think I've said it a lot. Uh, and I'm not in front of a mirror. Mm-hmm. Candyman number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, free guy, slam doink, slam doink of the week. Then I'm going to go, I'm still, you know, I'm going to say Paw Patrol stays there. Yeah. I'm going to say then, then Jungle Cruise and Don't Breathe. I think we're going to see a very similar top five because I don't see respect getting its way back to the top five. I don't see any of those. I don't see Suicide Squad moving up. I don't see any of these other movies moving up. So I feel like that's going to be what we're looking at. And one other thing to be looking at before we end this show is Reminiscence made $1.9 million its opening weekend. Second weekend, we're looking at a movie that could possibly drop as low as like $500,000. Yes, yes. This movie has been thoroughly rejected. It's also available to watch at home. Yeah. yeah, we could be seeing a huge drop on this. Yeah, so we'll see. That'll be an interesting story. But Clayton, I think we have done it all today. Well, one last thing, and I know we want to go, but what do you think the free guy drop is going to be for the third weekend? Uh, I mean, probably in the 40%. I mean, it should... I think it'll stay in double digits. I think next week, this movie makes over ten makes around $10 million. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I yeah. see that. Yeah, I think it hits 10. So let us know, everybody. Are you going to go see the Jordan Peele produced horror movie reboot this weekend? And and let us know, are you someone who wants to say its name or is hesitant to say its name? Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com and give us your thoughts about this Jordan Peele produced horror movie reboot opening this weekend. And then our Substack, you got to check out our Substack. There's, there's a big trailer that dropped just yesterday night, I think. Okay. And I'm gonna be tracking it, so look out That's for that. Right. Look out for That's that. That's right. Um. So do that, and also check out. Uh, I was there yesterday on this new app, Clubhouse, and it's like a, an app where you you talk on the app instead of tweet you talk so it's cool and i went there specifically to hang out at a weekly sunday night show run by brandon gray creator of box office mojo but more importantly he is now the creator of box office revival which is a weekly group on clubhouse went there yesterday talked box office for a couple hours a lot of fun, so go check out our boy Brandon Gray's box office revival on Clubhouse. Yeah, I, I, I did not join. I had some things to do, but also 
the only time you get both the BO boys is on this podcast. So mm-hmm. we will be popping in and out on 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 the Clubhouse app, but I think only special occasions will both be in the convo. Mm-hmm. That's we got to keep it special. We got to keep it special. Yeah. But Pat, we did it. We did it. There's nothing left to say except till next time. We'll we'll smell you at the box office. Nailed it.